2 Timothy chapter number 3. Uh, we'll get started there. We'll have a word of prayer. And then uh, we're going to turn to uh, several other passages tonight towards the beginning of our study. And uh, uh, on a uh, interesting uh, on a subject that's necessary for us as we get into this last day's theology, uh, talking about the emerging and the contemporary uh, movement. And uh, I am going to read a few quotes to you tonight, but uh, don't be dismayed. I will not keep you as long as I kept you uh, last Wednesday night. Um, but uh, uh, I will read a couple of uh, quotes uh, for you this evening. And I believe this uh, will continue to give you a good understanding of um, what we believe, why it's important for us to know what we believe, and uh, then uh, just to be reminded uh, that that truth is absolute, and the Word of God is absolute. We need to hold to the Word of God. And so tonight, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and we'll read the first five verses again this evening. Uh, by now, we could probably close our Bibles, and I'll quote these five verses or close to it, uh, but then uh, we'll be uh, focusing tonight on verse number five, verse number one of 2 Timothy 3. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. As I mentioned just a moment ago, we are going to focus to begin with on verse number five, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That verse right there lets us know that you can have a form of godliness and not have the power of godliness. Uh, the form does not take priority over the power. Uh, tonight, I'm gonna, I, I will lead us in our study, and it's not the main focus, but we'll, we'll be reminded that you have the power, the form will take care of itself. But if you have the form without the power, uh, you're really in a hopeless situation, and so we'll look at that tonight. And tonight I'm going to speak on this subject. I give this this title: conversion or Christ follower. Conversion or Christ follower, and that term Christ follower is in quotation marks, and uh, that is a. And I'm going to tell you, uh, this, this is a big push, a big belief uh, in uh, this emerging movement. And so we're looking at tonight, con conversion or Christ follower. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight uh, for the opportunity to be in church. We thank you for uh, your many blessings. We thank you for uh, this good week you've given us. May we uh, just continue to grow and learn more uh, out of the Word of God, how we can be more like you. Help us to be a good student of the Word of God uh, so that we're not tossed to and fro uh, with uh, every wind of doctrine. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here, and as I've been teaching, that uh, I, I believe that these verses, verse 2, 3, and 4, that those lists there of all of these different types of people, these characteristics, if you will, uh, all of these characteristics are of people uh, who are in the church. We know these exist in society. We'll talk about the perilous times, the last days, the 
uh, calling that which is evil good and calling that which is good evil. We certainly live in that day. And I'm not talking about a pagan government when I'm mentioning that. I'm not talking about uh, pagan nations when I mention that. I am talking about religion in churches in the United States of America calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil. But we see they're having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I can parallel this to the words uh, of Paul in, in, or in, in, in Romans where he speaks of uh, such were some of you. And there's all kinds of people or characteristics that would parallel this list. Speaking of the transforming grace, the transforming power of the gospel, no matter what you were and no matter what, 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 what kind of lifestyle you lived, salvation could change you. Now we find here in verses 2, 3, and 4, are you with me tonight? Getting you back in this schedule from Thursday to Wednesday, I didn't think it would be this, as traumatic on you as, as it seems to have been. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we see there, that the, the, this, the big problem as we have been teaching week after week is, 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 every, is the lost people being told that they're okay. We are, lost are not okay. Uh, they need Jesus. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. In future lessons, I'm going to teach on how this, this, the religion, this philosophy, their music, it quenches the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, it uh, grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And if you, you and I as Christians, as a child of God, we can quench the Spirit of God in our own life. That's why we are to live a holy life. That's why we are to die to self so the Holy Spirit can have more of us. We can grieve Him. We can quench him. And as Christians and believers, we can do that. And there are certain styles, if you will, in churches that will do the same thing. I've said it often. I'll say it again tonight. We don't come to church to get what we want or what we like or what the world wants or what the world likes. We come hoping to please our Lord and Savior. We get in the Word of God to find out what does God want from us. And that is our goal. But we see here, and I'm going to talk about, you can, they, have, they, they deny the power thereof. They quench it. Uh, they, uh, instead of saying, well, we have to, uh, if you will, gimmick them into a service and, and, and appease them to try and somewhere along the line trick them into trusting Christ, they deny the power of the Holy Spirit of God and what the Holy Spirit can do. Holy Spirit does not need smoke machines, and the Holy Spirit does not need a stage presence. The Holy Spirit of God only needs vessels. That's all the Holy Spirit needs. And so we can deny the power thereof, says, from such turn away. But before we get to quenching the Holy Spirit, before we get to grieving the Holy Spirit, you must have the Holy Spirit in order to grieve Him. You must have the Holy Spirit in order to quench Him. And tonight, we are going to look at this parallel between a, a conversion or a, quote, Christ follower. And see, we have this list here in verses 2, 3, and 4, looking at this very practically. If you have the power of God, it will change you from verse 2, 3, and 4 to a believer, to somebody who has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, a new 
creature. Old things passed away. But when you have a form and you don't have the power, uh, you stay the way you are. There's no change. Religion has never changed anybody. Man has never changed anybody. God has. And God can. So in order to quench the Holy Spirit, you must first have Him. In order to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, you must first have Him. And so we see tonight as that this, this uh, conflict, this, this uh, comparison, if you will, of a conversion or a Christ follower. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor, if you are converted, if you are saved, then you are a Christ follower. Not in the context of what the emerging church teaches. There is a difference between a quote-unquote Christ follower and a Christian. That's why most of them who have been indoctrinated in this teaching, most of these leaders, they will not use the word Christian. They will not use the word saved. They will use the term Christ follower. Do you want to follow Christ? I am a Christ follower. They, make, they do make little about the church. It's all about you can just follow Christ. And I'm going to teach you tonight um, what they believe. Let me read one quote, and then we're going to turn to the book of John. This is by uh, a man by the name of Erwin McManus, who is a, an emerging church teacher and writer. He says this, My goal is to destroy Christianity as a world religion and be a recatalyst for the movement of Jesus Christ. Some people are upset with me because it sounds like I'm anti-Christian. I think they might be right. He is saying, I want to destroy Christianity as it is. Now, I know that term is used very, very loosely in this world today. And not everybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. I understand that. But I'm also going to read a quote to you in a few moments. They hone in on their target, and they hone in on fundamental Baptist people like you and I are. I'm going to quote uh, from, from, from here in just a moment. But catch that. Uh, my goal is to destroy Christianity and cause a recatalyst for, the, for, for a movement of Jesus Christ. That might, it sounds weird, number one. And it might sound okay on the surface. Well, it is all about Jesus. I'm, I'm an independent Baptist to the core. I'm Baptist from the bottom of my feet, the top of my head. I have no intention of being anything else. You say, why are you that way? Because uh, you were born into it. I'm that way because the, that's what the Bible teaches you to be. But I will tell you it's all about Jesus. I will tell you being a Baptist isn't going to save you. Uh, you're going to go first class as a Baptist, but being a Baptist is not going to save you. I'm the first, I'll be the first one to tell you that. But this is not, and I'm going to show you tonight, when they talk of Jesus, they're talking of that other Jesus. Another Jesus. I want to destroy Christianity. I, I'll remind you very, very quickly as I read some of these terms as they defined them last week. And uh, when they were talking about their Jesus, uh, what they said... In this new world, we must present a Jesus that the world doesn't know it is missing in the same way that some biographies need to be rewritten for each generation. Uh, the story of the incarnation needs to be incarnated 
In this case, Jesus as the first pre-modern, post-modern, so that people can not just make Christ the center of their lives, but bring their lives into the center of Christ's life. We have to tell the story of Jesus for today's generation. We have to reintroduce him. You have another emerging church writer that I just quoted for you, saying we've got to destroy Christianity. I want to destroy Christianity as it is. So I can make a new re- we can make a new revolution of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you tonight what they mean. Let's first of all talk about what it means to be a convert. John chapter number 3. And we're going to turn to uh, four different passages here. Uh, and then we'll, set, we'll settle in. But John chapter 3. Uh, the uh, beginning of that chapter we find a man named Nicodemus. You probably know the story. A Pharisee. A religious ruler. You don't become a Pharisee without knowing the law, living the law. He, he, we see in verse number one, there was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except ye be a Christ follower, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Is that what the Bible says? It's not what it says. It says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And ladies and gentlemen, that was true for Nicodemus. It's true today. Uh, you cannot be a convert of Christ without being born Again, we know this. If we, had, if we were to continue, uh, spend a lot of time in John chapter number 3, uh, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus, you study the Gospels, you know this is true. He called them to himself, then he called them to be disciples. It was believe on me, then follow me. Uh, John chapter number 1, we find there he says, be born again. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You cannot make you a son of God. You can't do it. You can try and model Jesus, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. You can, you can, try, you can get down and follow everything He did to the letter of the law. You don't have the power to make you a son of God. You don't have the power to save you. It is the power of God that does it. But denying the power thereof. Do you remember we read that? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Having the form of godliness. How many Pharisees, how many religious rulers, how many Jews and chief priests had the form, but they denied the power. You can't, how many today say, well, we have the form, but and this is the emergence, this is every, every religion that there is. You can have the form all you want, but if you deny the power, which is Jesus Christ, and I've said this before, I'll just interject it again. You take every cult, every false religion, 
Every issue is with Jesus Christ. Every one of them has their own Jesus. Because Jesus is the issue because you must accept Jesus as the perfect Son of God, as the sin sacrifice. Only through His blood can we have access to the Heavenly Father. And those that do not believe in that Jesus, they deny the power thereof. You can live a good life, but you can't save yourself. You don't have the power. A priest cannot pray over you and save you. He didn't have the power. Only the power of God. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 1. Romans, chapter number 1. We'll read verse 16. Many of you know this verse. Romans, chapter number 1. In verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now we know what the gospel is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. What is the power of God unto salvation? We've already established it's the power of God that makes us His sons, His children. That's the only, now the gospel, it's clear, for I'm ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, is the power of God unto salvation. You can believe there's a God. You can believe Jesus is real. But if you don't believe in the gospel as, as, as your sin payment, that is where the power of God unto salvation. How many of you are saved tonight? Okay. You didn't save yourself. Whoever opened the Bible and showed you the gospel didn't save you. It was God who saved you. You know this. It was the power of God that saved you. How many of you... I won't ask if you're a sinner now. That might offend you. But how many of you were a sinner when you got saved? And I don't think anybody in here wants anybody else to know all of the things that they have done in their life. We are all sinners, and we have all sinned enough to deserve to go to a hell and pay for our sins. We fall so short of God. It's not even close we can't even be measured to a righteous and holy God. We, we, our, our, when the Bible tells us that our good works are as filthy, pussy rags, that's how far away we are from a holy God. So what in the world could save us? Well, I could, could do enough good works. You can't do enough if you lived a hundred lifetimes. You couldn't do enough good works to get any closer to God. So what is it? It's the, only the power of God that saved you. It's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Christ. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Just reinforce one more time what we've already said. No. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And we'll read verse 17 and 18. For Christ sent me, not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, 
not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I, I, Paul's writing, I, didn't, I wasn't called to go show people how smart I am or how big of words I can use. He says, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Who are those that perish? Lost. Oh, there's got to be more than just Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sins. There's got to be more to that. You have, I, let's be a, a follower of Christ. That empty salvation, that salvation where you can, oh, well, to the, those that perish is foolishness. But unto us which are saved. Anybody out there fall in that category? It is the power of God. Why is it when you hear a song about the old rugged cross, it means something to you? Because you, you, it's the power of God. Uh, how, why is it when you, when you dwell on the crucifixion, you hear a message on Calvary, on, on the gospel, uh, the, the saved, but it, it does something for you. Why? Because you understand you were lost and on your way to hell, but that, that cross and that gospel, what Jesus did, the finished work of Calvary, that is the power of God. Who else could take upon them the sins of the world, suffer their death in hell, conquer death? He didn't just conquer it. He came back with ownership. He's got the keys. What is that? It's not religion. It's not good works. It's the power of God. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. A convert, those by Bible definition have been saved, have been saved by the power of God. That's the only means of salvation. That is a convert of Christ. When someone gets saved, we refer to them as our new convert. When someone trusts Christ in one of our servers, we want to be mindful of this new convert so they grow in Christ. They, they, they have been converted. What is it? That moment they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it wasn't necessarily when they said that amen. Of, it wasn't when they said that amen, the sinner's prayer. It was when the heart confessed, that heart believed under righteousness. And it's that moment when they said, I know I'm a sinner. I'm going to die and go to hell, but Jesus died for me. And I believe He's the Son of God. And I believe in His perfection. And I believe that He paid my sin debt. And I believe His blood will atone. It's that moment they may not understand all of the doctrinal words that go with it, but they are putting their faith on Jesus. The power of God saves them. The power of God takes them from an eternity in hell, gives them citizenship in heaven, and that heavenly construction crew begins to begin to begins the construction on their mansion. Now, in that instant, they become a joint heir with Christ, a son of God. The power of God at that very instant, the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells them, and it's that Holy Spirit not only seals them into the day of redemption, but now. 
That third member of the Trinity dwells within them. He is, it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which a believer can quench, a believer can grieve. Hopefully, as we grow, the Holy Spirit of God gets more of us and more of us, and it helps us become like our Savior. But that's the Bible definition of a convert. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was on my way to hell, now I'm on my way to heaven. I was lost, but now I've been justified. I have been redeemed. Uh, I, have, I have accepted that gift that Christ, they are a convert. No longer do they walk in darkness, but in light. They are a convert. They were dead, and the Holy Spirit of God quickens them, makes them alive. You're alive tonight. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God. You are a convert of Christ. Now, let me throw this in. We should act like it, but we're a convert. That's a convert. That's someone who has been changed, and they can only be changed by what? The power of God. We need to be reminded, we didn't save ourselves. And I'm glad we're cleaned up from what we were when the world when we got saved out of this world and we are becoming more like Christ. And hopefully there's some things you don't do anymore, some places you don't go anymore, some friends you don't have anymore because you're saved, you're a child of God, you want to please your Savior. But that's not what saved you, it was the power of God. Well, how do you think somebody can just have a few verses read to them and they can, they, they can get saved and, and, and they can be saved out of alcoholism, they can be saved out of addiction, they can be saved, all those things. How, explain that to me. The only explanation I have is I've got a, a powerful God. And it's the power of God that can save somebody like that. It's the only thing that can. It's the power of God. Having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That is a convert. Now, I want us to look, as we look at this conversion or Christ follower, what are we seeking? At tonight, we're meeting, we're, we're in the Word of God, because we want to build, we want to be built in the Word of God. We want to grow as a Christian. We are told in Scripture to go out into this world, and what do we want? We want, we're seeking those that will be converted to Christ. That's what soul winning is. It's not a notch in our New Testament. It's, it's, we, we want converts. <clears throat> they, we want them to convert it, having new life in Christ. That's what we are seeking. When, when, I, when I preach on Sunday morning, and, 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 I, and I know there's visitors there, and, I, I, and I'm, looking, I'm not looking to make anybody happy with me. I want a convert for Christ. That's the goal. How can that happen? Now, if if your sermon's alliterated just right, do you guarantee converts? No. Only the power of God. Okay? I think we're all on the same page with that. We have that established. It's the power of God that creates converts. Now, a term that you hear that sounds spiritual, it sounds good, is this term that you'll hear all the time, Christ follower in these emerging church contemporary circles. Be a follower of Christ. Now, I taught several weeks ago, and I had a lot of you say that was a very helpful when, um, uh, time when I told you 
what their salvation is. They claim all these converts and they say all these people got saved. It's literally, in most cases, no more than checking on a card. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to start my new life in Christ. There's, there's, no, there's no confession of, of sin. There's no um, need of a Savior. There's no uh, looking to Christ. I just want to be a Christ follower. The average person, if you poll them and say, do you want to be a Christ follower? Well, sure, I want to be a Christ follower. That does not make you, according to that term, a child of God. It does not make you a convert. Only the power of God can do that. How do we get the power of God for the conversion? It's the gospel. It's the gospel, the power unto salvation. We've already seen that. So what is this? How do they define, or how can we define that term Christ follower? See, what you have to understand when this uh, contemporary emergent church uh, group uses this term, uh, what they, uh, salvation is not a prerequisite. It is receiving Jesus as your personal Savior is not something that has to take place in order to be a Christ follower. See, they believe that anyone can be a Christ follower. Anyone that follows certain spiritual disciplines can be a follower of Christ. Uh, they believe that no matter what your background, no matter what your religion. Now, I'll say this. It doesn't matter your creed, your color, your race, what your religion has been, what you've done. You can be a convert by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, because the power of God. But to be a Christ follower, salvation is not a prerequisite. You do not have to be saved to be a Christ follower. Matter of fact, we're not preaching salvation. We're not going to talk about that because we don't want to make the unchurched feel uncomfortable. We want them to come back so that somewhere, and I should have brought that other book with this quote. It would be perfect at this time. Uh, but basically, as I said, we want while they're there, we want them to catch it. We want them to catch the Spirit of Christ. Friend, you don't catch salvation. You choose the Son of God for salvation. You don't catch it. You get caught up in a frenzy and buy a t-shirt on your way out the door that says, I'm a follower of Christ. You might can catch that, but that don't convert you. That don't make you saved. You could be dunked in, their bat in a baptismal service, make a video about it, and, and, and buy you the t-shirt that says, uh, I'm a follower of Christ. That don't make you a convert. Uh, you, you bought a souvenir of a bath. That's what you bought. Uh, you have to have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So anyone, that's why, and, it's, and I, and I want to get into it tonight because I'm already running out of time. That's why you find, you trace all this back to mysticism. You can trace this in this contemplative prayer. Um, uh, you can get in almost in a seance to, to, to find Christ in this fellowship with Him. And that's why I wanted to teach for those couple of weeks on a seducing spirit 
You know, it's like the, 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 all these religions, and you take the, uh, uh, Catholicism all the way back to Constantine and, and Mormonism with, with Joseph Smith, and you go on and on. They all saw these spiritual visions. And you know, when I was younger, I was like, man, what in the world are they talking about? They didn't see nothing. But I'm not so sure about that. Because there are seducing spirits. There's the Spirit of God in a seducing spirit. I'm getting off track there, but it, it, salvation is not a prerequisite. See, the difference is, as a convert, as a Christian, a believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling. And because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in the believer, he can be more like Christ through the power of God. The Bible teaches you and I that the power of God unto salvation. We've established that. But do you realize the same God that had the power to save you is the same God that dwells in you. He has the same power for every child of God to overcome in their life. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, this, is, this is a rabbit trail. I'm not against... Um, addiction programs, I'm not against all of these things, but as a child of God, you've got the Holy Spirit of God. That is more powerful than a 10-step program. The Holy Spirit of God, the power inside of us. A Christ follower, it's all about the external, not what is inside of us. See, when I get up on Sunday and preach the Word of God, my responsibility is, is to preach, thus saith the Lord, after spending time in prayer in the Word of God, uh, hopefully uh, uh, getting on the same page with the Holy Spirit of God of what His people need, preaching the Word of God uh, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the words that the Holy Spirit whispered into the ears of men to the believer. That Holy Spirit that dwells in the believer, it bears witness with the Holy Spirit in your pastor, preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, the words of God bears witness in you. That's why for a new Christian, get on the church. Get on the church. Because it's the Holy Spirit in them is going to bear witness with the Holy Spirit of the Word of God, and it's going to build them and help them grow. And by the way, if you're, if you're an old convert too, it'll continue to help you. Why, why is it that, that, that a man can say, I don't go, Lord, I don't know why. I have no idea why you want me to preach this, but I'm going to preach it, and I can't think of two people that this will help. And then that's the time everybody's like, Pastor, that would help me so much. I'm like, how in the world would that even apply to you? What is it? It's the Holy Spirit of God. It is His power. Why? Because it's who's in you. Man, I was thinking today, and I, I, I lied to you. I told you we weren't going to be long tonight. I, I got four points, and I'm in 1B. And I had to, forgot what I was going to say. Oh, today I was thinking, dealing with, you know, the moving forward, and things are moving starting to move very quickly now and and I was reminiscing today of the services over there. Y'all remember that? That was awesome. Three morning services. I would walk after those three morning services, I'd go home, walk in the door and fall flat on my face, get up for the night service, 
We had some awesome, awesome services. People saved. People called to preach, to the ministry. Then in here, how awesome has this been? What is it? It's not like all of a sudden people, there's more power in having a tent service than not having a tent service. That's why if it's the holy about the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter where we are. Say, Pastor, are you worried about a new location? New, as long as we take the Holy Spirit with us, we're going to be okay. That, that, that's what it's all about. I make the point, it's about what's in here. That's why you don't need, oh, we got to have that spirit. What, what, what music? Okay, we got to get the praise band here and get them worked up because we got to the, get the service worked. Well, if you don't have the Holy Spirit there, if you've denied the power thereof, and it's not about the power of the gospel, you have to get something external going because you're about to give them nothing that's going to appeal to the Holy Spirit of God in them. So the prerequisite is not to have the power on the inside. The power from within. The Christ follower, it is all external. It is in, in today's progressive emerging church, Jesus is, it, that is not a requirement. He is a, now let me just put this, uh, they, they, they believe, I've already said it, I don't really need to read it, that anyone, not just believers, can practice these spiritual disciplines and become like Christ. And that is the main difference between a Christian, a, a believer, a convert, and the emerging church, the emerging Christ follower. They'll say they follow Christ, but it's not the, 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 the same God of their salvation. If we just conduct these things, and I'm going to hurry and get right into it. Uh, the third thing I want to mention is Christ, the, the Christ they follow, uh, or the Christ follower, rather, models Jesus. You'll hear that terminology a lot. Uh, Jesus is seen as a model or an example. Jesus is our example. Now, is that a true statement or not? Absolutely, it's true. He is our example. And I can't think of a better example to follow, can you? Matter of fact, we ought to be pointing everybody we can to Jesus, not so they can follow him, so they can believe on him. Jesus did not say, I came to seek and to save those who needed to model me. That was not his purpose for coming. Now, while he was here, you read the Gospels, he gave a lot of things we ought to be following. Uh, you know, all kinds of the for forgiveness and and how he depended on the word of God and temptation. And it could go on and on and on. He was perfection. If there's anybody we should be ascribing to be like, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our example, but that wasn't his purpose. He did not come to set an example. He set an example because he's the perfect son of God. He came seeking those that were lost. But for the emerging contemporary, we just want to model Christ. We just want to follow Christ. We don't need any of that. We don't need the, 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 the old church structure. I can follow Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to go to church to be a Christ follower. You may have heard that or something like that. But it does say that for a Christian you're supposed to be there, but I, I get off on the sidetrack there. Be a Christ follower. It sounds good, 
But what it is, it is, it is it's, he, he's this example that we're in, and, and we should follow him as example. But that's not his primary purposes. You think of, it's the same philosophy as a Buddhist has in following their teacher. And the other following their teacher. Nobody is believing in them for a supernatural salvation. It's what do I do to earn my way? That's the difference. And so Satan does not care if you believe, quote unquote, in Jesus. Or even say you're going to follow Jesus. Just don't believe on Jesus. Because it is believing on Jesus, wherein the power of God unto salvation, that's where salvation comes. So it is, we want to model Him. See, it is a difference in Him living in us and then us following an external anybody from any walk of life. We just try and be, now we know we're going to come up short, but we just try and be like Christ. We just try and be like Him. And they have no understanding of who he is. Uh, the, the Christ follower, and see how fast I'm moving now? He is, he is used as a model of spirituality and not the Son of God or our Savior. He's just a good example. They, they would mention him casually as the Son of God, but not God in the flesh, not the sin sacrifice. Anyone from any religion can be a Christ follower. They can be, quote-unquote, Christ-like, but not know Christ. Because in order to know Christ, you have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. The last point I'll make tonight, the Christ follower has to have another Jesus. Let me read a couple of quotes from Dan Kimball. I've quoted him before. He's the one who I brought the book in. They like Jesus, but not the church. I don't know if y'all remember that. Kimball drives home the point that non-Christians don't like Christians. That's the purpose of that whole book. That's the purpose of, uh, uh, you want to feel bad about yourself? Just talk to this emerging contemporary church and let them tell you what they think about your Christianity and think about what you believe. Um, they would rather, uh, they're, anyway, the, the non-Christians don't like Christians. And just because he says that, friend, doesn't make it true. Um, he says that these are exciting times we live in when Jesus is becoming more and more respected in our culture by non-church-going people. Now, how many of you think that's really true? I don't think it's true. Um, he says we should be out, out listening to what non-Christians, especially those in their late teens to 30s, are saying and thinking about the church and Christianity. This is their philosophy. This is why it's not, we're not letting it creep into our church, no matter how much culture changes, because it is all, basically, what do these non-Christian young people in 30s want in Jesus? That's what we should be listening to. Find out what they think about him. Remember the quote I wrote about the reintroduction of Jesus in this culture? That is, it's introducing another Jesus it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not Jesus, the Son of God. It is another Jesus. 
We should be listening to them. I like to call it the politically correct Jesus because uh, Jesus is not politically correct. Um, they, 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 he was pretty dogmatic in his teaching. Kimball insists that those... Let me find the one quote I want to make. Okay, that's coming. He insists that those who are rejecting faith in Jesus do so because of their views of Christians in the church. It's this victim mentality that is just running rampant in, in our society today. It's all the Christians is why they're not going to church. It's the Christians, that's why. Now, I believe you can be a stumbling block to a lost person. That's not what he's talking about. It's your rigid beliefs on the Word of God. It's your belief that you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. It's in condemnation of sin, like it be found in verses 2, 3, and 4 of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. It's all you Christians. I'll prove it. Here is a, here's another quote he makes. People who are always saying, and this is where he talks specifically about fundamental Christians, you and I. People who are always saying negative things about the world, take the whole Bible literally, are card-carrying Republicans, are pro-Israel, read end-time novels, well, you may have a point on that one, and endorse snake-handling and fire-brimstone preaching. They think of King James finger-pointing, teetotaling, vengeful people who credit God for using natural disasters to punish people for sin and who use Christian jargon and are arrogant and unloving toward anyone but themselves. For somebody who's never been one, he sure knows what all of us are about. Notice how he condemned what we believe. He masterfully condemns Christians and blames them for the problem. Think about this. When this same man says that unbelievers like Jesus, but not the church, what kind of Jesus do they have to like? My Jesus, my Savior, is holy, is perfect. That can't be the Jesus that they're talking about. Is it the Jesus of the Bible, or is it a Jesus the world has formulated to fit its mold? See, the biblical Jesus told the Pharisees that if they did not believe he was God in the flesh in Christ, they would die in their sins. Jesus didn't dialogue with them. He didn't say, oh, I know. I say that I'm the Son of God. I say I'm the Messiah. I say I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I know you have a problem with that, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree right there. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you don't believe on me, you're going to die in your sins. You reject me, you are rejecting salvation. He was pretty dogmatic about who he was and the reason he came. There was no dialoguing. Study the scripture, study the word of God, study Jesus. That's not the Jesus that this world says they like better than the church. And because of time, I had to move very, very quickly. But the premise here is, is pretty simple. There's a convert, and then there's the quote-unquote Christ follower, to use their term. This will be very helpful to us because when we talk to these people, you go to work with them, you have neighbors, you'll run into them out, out on visitation and soul winning, and they use these terms that they have been used. You need to understand what they mean by that. 
does not, somebody says they're a Christ follower, I don't say, oh, I don't need to get them to plan salvation. You've just got to plow, you just got to assume everybody you talk to is not saved. You know, I don't ever get offended if somebody says, very rarely has this ever happened, uh, if somebody hand me a tr- you know, if somebody hands me a track and asks me if I'm saved, I'm going to be okay, what, 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 what's going on now? But I don't, I've never been offended when somebody said, do you know for sure, somebody knocked on my door. Come think of it, I think that's happened once in the 38 years that I've, don't come knock on my door Saturday. Um, I, I, have you ever been offended? Somebody asked you if you've been, No. See, being a, I'm a convert. I have been saved. I am a believer, not just in Christ, but on Christ. Denying the, having the form thereof, but denying the power. There is one power unto salvation, and it's the gospel. And there's more. Well, everybody, we just should just be a Christ follower. That's, that's not even a Bible term. A disciple of Christ. And before you just say, I'm a disciple of Christ, you need to really study that out to see what that means to be a disciple of Christ. Let me tell you, it includes being willing to lay down your life. It's a disciple of Christ. I'm a Christ follower. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Let's not get sucked in to terminology that's used. And how deceitful and how sly of the devil. Because the Bible does teach us, Christ did say, if I be lifted up, I will draw them into me. There's something about the name of Jesus to everybody. There are people who are lost, they've heard the name of Jesus, and automatically it piques their interest because they know there's a need to something. See, well, just the mention of his name, oh, if I be lifted up. This world looks and says, well, if you want to be a follower of Christ, then you need to adhere to this and this and this and this, and, and you, he's our example, and you follow him. What did he do? He went to church. What did he do? He gave. What did he do? He fed the hungry, and he, and he clothed the, the naked, and he, and he did all of these things, and he helped, and I'm for help doing all those things. But you can follow that example, and you will not be any more saved than if you didn't do any of those things. Now, we are saved because of the power of God. That's got to stay our focus, is the gospel. Is salvation. There's a difference in being a convert and a Christ follower. Now, I'm not against you following Christ. We all should. But how do we, it's, it's the power on the inside that changes us, that, that, that makes us, that, that leads us, that, that the more we give in to the Holy Spirit of God, He is going to help us become more like Christ. How foolish. For sinful men to think that they can live in a way where they can live like Christ. Do you really think your flesh, you can live like Christ? Aren't you glad we got the Holy Spirit of God 
who helps us, empowers us. We've been saved so that we can be more like Christ. Convert or Christ follower. There is a difference. Father, help us.